From tornadoes to hurricanes, blizzards, and everything in between, you're listening to the Stormfront Freaks podcast. The Stormfront Freaks are former television meteorologist Mark Massaro, digital meteorologist and weather producer on the Weather Channel app, Dina Knightley, former on-camera meteorologist at the Weather Channel, Kim Cunningham, meteorologist and social media manager at Agora Pulse, Jen Watson, and I'm your announcer and Skywarn Network coordinator, Mark Johnson. Now, here's the moderator of the Stormfront Freaks podcast, Skywarn Storm Spotter and Chaser, Phil Johnson. Hey, welcome everybody to the most entertaining weather podcast on your listening and viewing device. This is the award-winning Stormfront Freaks podcast. Uh, if you happen to be listening for the first time, thanks for looking us up. And don't forget to visit stormfrontfreaks.com to access our library of past shows with famous guests from the weather industry, like John Gordon of the NWS office in Louisville and Rick Smith of the Norman, Oklahoma office, just to name a couple of our uh, National Weather Service guests. But this is episode 89 tonight, and we are with the warding coordination meteorologist at the Fort Worth, Texas National Weather Service office. Uh, Jennifer Dunn is here tonight. So looking forward to talking to Jennifer. We're also going to play our lightning round game show with Jennifer uh, we've got our tracker chat storm chasing segment, and we're going to share some amazing WX resources and hilarious hashtag weather fools. But before we get to all of that, it's always happy hour when we record. Best way for us to show you we're having a good time, laid back, talking weather, and also introduce you to the voices of our co-hosts and see who's here tonight. So, Mads, I'm starting with you at the bar. Yeah. What are you drinking? What are you drinking I, in that? Well, my wife. She went to Jungle Gyms and picked up the Stone Tropic of Thunder Lager. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. I looked at it. I said, was it really $2.50 for the can, honey? Like, come on. You're cutting into our retirement. <laughs> Thunder. Okay. Very good. Very good. That's cool beers. Uh, yeah, go I expect gyms. big things. Jungle yeah, Gyms. You got you got to go to Jungle Gyms. Yeah. Well, on that note, and that note, Kim, what, what are you drinking? Well, I'm back to my red wine again. So it's just the typical apothic red, but I did break out my Halloween wine glasses. So um, is it orange? It is orange. Nice. It's, it has, I don't know if you can see it or not, but it's got oh, little, yeah. little spider webs oh. and stuff all over it. Oh, no yeah. skeletons? No skeletons. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I can make sure we see some skeletons today if you want. Oh, all right, Dina, Dina, what are you drinking? I'm drinking the uh, regular old Bud Light. <laughs> I would have got my ha- I started to get my Halloween stuff out and I was sweating my ass off. Hundred degrees so, down here. So that's why you got the Bud Light. Yeah, okay. I needed something very cold. All right, all right. And then and then you know we always ask our guest uh, if if they happen to be joining us at the bar and I think Jennifer is. Jennifer, what are you drinking tonight? I do. I, I reached for the Bud Light first, but I ended up with the Corona Premier. Got my AM koozie to keep it cool for the next oh, hour. Nice, so nice. happy to be on. <laughs> still still feeling tropic, uh, tropical weather down there, I assume. Trying to. I should be all ready for fall. You think I'd be pitching over by now, but I got like <laughs> one more day of it. <laughs> Very good. All right. Well, uh, let's do this. Let's give you a great introduction. Kim, I'm gonna turn it over to you. All right, everybody, let's introduce our guest here tonight. Jennifer Dunn is the Morning Coordination Meteorologist at the National Weather Service in Fort Worth, Texas. She has chased storms since 2005 while at Texas A&M University, where she received a bachelor's degree in meteorology. Now, Jennifer started her career as an intern at the National Weather Service office in Corpus Christi before starting her professional career at the Fort Worth office as a forecaster. And in 2018, 
as the WCM. So Jennifer, it's so wonderful to have you. And I think, you know, a lot of us or a lot of the people are listening here today probably want to know what is a warning coordination meteorologist? Why don't you give us kind of an update on what you do and then maybe how you got interested in weather? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and explaining what my job is and what my title is, is usually one of the first things I have to do whenever I go yeah. into a new place because it's a little deceptive. It doesn't necessarily mean that I'm coordinating all the warnings every time there's something going on in the office. The warning coordination meteorologist in a nutshell pretty much uh, oversees the office's outreach, education, and really our partnership building with the many partners that we have, both in the broadcast sector and in the public sector, uh, public safety sector usually. A lot of times it's emergency management. It's um, different safety responders at your, your local, regional, state, even sometimes national level, your national government partners as well. So we spend a lot of time um, working with our partners to make sure that they're getting the right information that they need, that they are receiving it, and um, it's coming in in a way that works best for them so that they can utilize it to go on and make the decisions that they need to keep their community safe and resilient. So that's kind of in a nutshell what a warning coordination meteorologist does, along with a lot of other things. Um, in particular, we're one of the managers in the office, so anything that comes along with that realm, whether it's budget items, purchasing, personnel issues, um, anything that needs to keep the office running, we work with our other managers to keep uh, keep that in check within the office or keep that going. Jennifer gets to fire people. <laughs> oh, I do not have that. Oh, okay. <laughs> I do not have that, at least not directly, at least. <laughs> So I don't get to do that. Don't have to worry about that, thankfully. <laughs> yeah, that's a bummer. <laughs> so that sounds like you have more of a normal schedule. Do you have to rotate shifts too? So normally I'm, uh, you know, an eight to four, eight to five, nine to five, uh, whichever works for the WCMs in the different regions. So not necessarily in shift work anymore, but I do cover shifts still occasionally. So I have to do some of that. I think I've got some midnight shifts coming up here over the next couple of months. So couldn't quite fully escape those, but uh, majority of the time, yeah, I, I'm off of shift work now and on more of a normal schedule. But when the warnings come in, it's all hands on deck, right? Sometimes. It depends on yeah. the scope of the event. Um, you know, bigger events, or I should start out, smaller events that are uh, maybe one or two storms impacting only a small area uh, within our, our county warning area, which is our area of responsibility. Um, might only require, you know, a handful of people or less, just depending on what's happening. But yeah, some of our bigger events, some of our bigger tornado outbreaks or, or big flooding events, um, or even our winter storm events, when we do get them, um, can require a whole up to 10 people sometimes if we even have enough workstations for everybody, really. We can be limited sometimes by the amount of workstations that we have that people can actually work on. So it just kind of varies and we leave it up to the lead forecasters, um, usually working as a team with the rest of the staff that's there at the time to figure out how many people we need and how we're gonna manage that. How many are there, like all together? So altogether, meteorologists, um, about an average for an office, uh, I believe what we have close to right now is 15. Um, if you include the entire staff, though, it's a little bit closer to 25, but that'll include your administrative assistants, all the electronic technicians that work to keep all the equipment running, whether that's the radar or our computer systems and the automated weather stations that we're responsible for. So it includes a service hydrologist and information technology officer, and then either what's called a DAPM or an OPL who oversees kind of our volunteer um, weather observer program. Any interns? 
So the interns, the National Weather Service recently got rid of the term intern. Our interns oh. used to be our, um, our entry-level meteorologists, the ones we hired out of college. They came in as interns and then they graduated up into forecasters. We actually kind of got, we just got rid of that term within the last few months and now they're, they all fall under the umbrella of meteorologists. So um, they're still entry-level meteorologists doing their training to apply for or be bumped up into a forecaster position. So intern-wise, true intern-wise, we do still have student interns uh, during the summer, usually, uh, and sometimes we have volunteers throughout the summer and sometimes at other parts of the, of the year, too. So that fluctuates. So they go from stewardess to flight attendant? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like that. Pilot to pilot. So what, weather, what type of weather is most difficult for you guys to, to handle? Is, that, I mean, that's, is it the, the winter weather? Is it severe weather? Uh, which one is the toughest, you think? I think for here in North and Central Texas, um, the toughest one is probably winter weather because we seem to be right on the border of where trans you transition from winter weather to no winter weather. And mm -hmm. it doesn't happen too frequently here, but we do still get at least a few events each winter. But that seems to be one of the most challenging things, I think, because we're in that transition zone also, the models have a more difficult time not all the time, but sometimes helping us to figure out, you know, exactly um, kind of what's going to happen and where. Um, a lot of times our partners want to know exactly where that cutoff line is going to be, but they understand the imperfect science that we work with also, uh, thankfully. So um, I think sometimes the models um, can struggle with uh, a lot of times with precipitation type, which will make it a little bit more difficult. If we're not really planning for ice, we start out with ice, that can be a problem or if we transition to snow fast or things of like that. So it takes a lot of experience and a lot of review every year for us because um, it does happen infrequently, but it still does happen enough to where we're constantly trying to keep up with it. I've noticed that a lot on storm totals, especially snow, like just to the north of you, I'm trying to think of the smaller city that's just to the north of Dallas. Plano that, or something? Plano, McKinney, Plano, Denton. 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 Denton, yes. Denton always like there's there'll be snow down at Denton and then nothing in Dallas. <laughs> yes, it seems like that I twenty corridor right there yeah. through the immediate metroplex area is a pretty good cutoff line for where um, the winter precip may end. Not saying that we can't or never have had winter precip obviously south of there. Um, as you know, it's it's been on Galveston Island or it's been on South Padre before down along the coast, but. For us, yeah, the majority of that cutoff line ends up being right there along I-20 through the DFW area. Even east of there, sometimes we don't see a whole lot. Sometimes that I-20 is the same thing in Atlanta. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I-20 is the Ohio that, River. Yeah. Right. That's a good marker. Yeah, it is. <laughs> you think it would be easy to reference, but as I've discovered, there's a lot of people that don't know what side of the interstate they live on. So <laughs> it's, that becomes a big messaging challenge also. Mm -hmm. Is there a lot of drinking going on down there or what? How do you not know? <laughs> I plead the fifth. I'm not in Texas. <laughs> they have big beers in Texas, man. Yeah, that's they do, right? The barbecue. <laughs> they don't mess around. We've got enough so, breweries around. So Jennifer, <laughs> oh, tell me good. a little bit about what, what, what kind of tropical weather have you seen? Uh, obviously, you're kind of north there into Texas, but but uh, what, what have you seen in your time there? So we've had a few tropical systems that have made their way up into the north and central Texas area. Um, I can't remember exactly which one it is, but we had one that was weakening from a tropical storm to a depression in like our far southeastern county where we had to issue 
I think a tropical storm warning just for the wind speeds in that area. But as far as our area goes in my time there, that's the only time that we've actually um, had to issue any tropical products. However, um, we have had the remnants of tropical storms as they've uh, kind of weakened as they've come in, such as tropical storm Hermine, I believe it was in 2008, if I recall correctly. And while it had weakened, it was, I don't even believe it was no longer a depression anymore. It still had um, kind of that flow and that structure around it that it actually spun up a couple of tornadoes in our area. So um, we were instead dealing with um, severe weather and the remnants of it also. And then while we haven't seen a whole lot up here, I actually deployed down to Corpus Christi for Hurricane Harvey and spent the time down there really? um, helping them. Yeah, since I had started my career there and they needed some help, they asked if I could come back. So um, I, yeah, I went down there and spent, oh, did we spend two nights sleeping in the office and just kind of watching wow. where it was gonna go because Corpus was right in, in, in the uh, path of it or, or the, the main mm -hmm. track of it. And then it made that shift, unfortunately. And then, you know, you, of course the heavy rainfall in, in Houston. So. I'm in Corpus trying to help out there and get out and my family's getting flooded or is could be flooded in Houston and I'm going back and forth. So, um, so that really is the extent of my tropical experience. <laughs> but Harvey is like throwing it in and, and learning to swim right there. Yeah. Pretty much. Um, yeah, I had an all, I'd spent three summers in Corpus, um, as a, as a student intern, actually, as you, um, as you mentioned. So there'd been one tropical storm, I think tropical storm bill in oh. I think, or um, 06, no, 05, 04, I think 05. it's 05. I think it was, it was 05. 05. Yeah, I think it was uh, that. Um, but that, again, it went in east of Corpus Christi, so we were on the drier west side and didn't really see a whole lot. So Harvey was, was a big change, and um, I was happy to be down there to help. Um, thankfully, I went in and I kind of helped with their, what we call decision support, kind of their briefing structure, and um, I worked a little bit of radar for them, which is a whole nother ball game too than severe weather radar operations and um and helped with their messaging so I, i'm thankful that i was able to go in and help that will help them with that while they could concentrate on other things including their own families now did you grow up in texas i'm not hearing an accent or a y'all <laughs> or anything i haven't said it yet um actually i am born and mostly raised in texas i'm originally right. from the you houston area a little bit, from a little bit yeah i'm you not a true southern Houston. Uh, I'm from the Houston area, but I have lived in near the, I have lived in the Chicago area about uh, a few times, uh, three times I think. Three times. When I was young, I know it was back and forth. Uh, my dad was in, he's retired from there now. Was in the oil and gas industry. Okay. So between Chicago and Houston is where we oh, lived. Oh, I see. Yeah. The Bears. <laughs> yeah, they still cheer for that. My extended family's still up there, and they're all still Bears fans for the most part. Yeah, they are diehard fans, that's for sure. Yes. So, why don't you tell us how you got started in weather? We always ask this question. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, a lot of people, um, especially as listening back on some of your previous podcasts, um, a lot of people point to a certain event that drew them in. And I can specifically, for me, it wasn't an event, I should say. I can remember specifically, I was sitting uh, in an eighth grade class. I think it was math, but I'm not completely sure. And I was looking out the window, you know, obviously not paying attention. And mm -hmm. there was a thunderstorm in the distance. And it just dawned on me that I'm very curious about thunderstorms and, and how they form and, and how they operate. And it was kind of like that day I decided I wanted to go on and study weather. And for whatever reason, that stayed with me all the way through. And I went on to get my degree. So that's really what got me into weather. That's amazing that you didn't like pick it later. You know how like you go into school and you try something and then you change your major and then... Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
I know. I don't know how I was so lucky enough to stay at the same degree all the way through. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Because so you went to Texas A&M, then I you did. interned, right? Then you interned because it seems like with the National Weather Service, somebody like me could never get in. You pretty much have to be like born into it, don't you? Like, it, I've always kind of joked with it's hard to get in. Yeah. You have to intern and get in. Today. Yeah. Yeah, it's so competitive to get in now, but having that student internship, which now it's called the the SCEP program, Student Career Enhancement Program, it was called, um, uh, sorry, it was called SCEP when I was in there. It's now called Pathways. Um, mm -hmm. That really helped get my uh, get my foot in the door, and that program really does give you a leg up to have a permanent position within the Weather Service. But I also took the time to um, intern in private sector and in broadcast also during my first two years um, after freshman and after sophomore year, because I wanted to see all different sides of meteorology and I wanted to make sure I was making the right decision. And honestly, if it wasn't for that, I don't think I would have been as driven to stay in the weather service. So I'm very thankful for that opportunity, which my student advisor, advisor um, actually drove me towards. I, I don't think I even really knew much about the weather service until he said something. So I'm very thankful and appreciative to him for that. So getting coffee and dry cleaning helped? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Not that type of internship. Okay. Oh, actually, the private sector, maybe. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay, so, so here's the, here's the key. Enough enough of these softballs from uh, my fellow cohorts. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm bringing the fastball, Jennifer. Okay. Um, were you at the uh, AMS meeting? Just recently? No, actually. In Alabama, you weren't. Okay. No, I have not. So, um, so Sharpie Gate. All right. Okay. So, uh, for those that don't know Sharpie Gate, uh, during Hurricane Dorian, uh, the White House had a, a, a video of some sort, uh, but they took a Sharpie marker and they extended the National Hurricane Center's uh, cone of uh, potential forecast for the path and extended it with a Sharpie marker to go a little <laughs> bit into Alabama and kind of go in the direction maybe they, they were wanting it to go. But, but the backlash from that is that NOAA, which is kind of the boss of the National Weather Service, um, issued a statement, I think under pressure, it seemed, uh, to kind of uh, back up what the White House was saying with their Sharpie, which I think was perceived to the National Weather Service as being kind of a slight uh, against them and the fact that they were saying no don't because th there was an uproar in the public that they thought this was uh, oh no it's coming to Alabama and in the National Weather Service I believe it was in Birmingham mm -hmm. uh, yeah. uh, had to say no it's not don't worry it's it's not coming and and Noah kind of contradicted that a little bit and so I think um, th there was some disruption between the parents and the kids. Uh, so my question just for, for you, you know, that's dying down now a little bit, but what, what was your personal feelings on that whole scenario? So my personal feelings. Um, <laughs> Put Welcome her on to the, the show. I know, the Put best okay. Without <laughs> um, getting political. You know, I think like you said, um, it's unfortunate when, when anybody feels like they're not backed up you know, by somebody or, um, you, you feel like, uh, you, you hopefully built a relationship of trust and then, and something easily breaks that down. So there was a lot of consternation. Um, but you know, as I had a feeling too, there's always two sides to every story. And I don't know if we fully know the two sides to every story yet, 
Um, you know, there are, there's talk too that there will be further investigations, and and maybe someday we will or won't know, you know, exactly what happened. But um, at the time, I think the weather community, though, and I was very proud of them, did a great job of of kind of standing up for Birmingham and for the weather community in what they did. And I, I was glad to see that it gave me a big, um, and I think a lot of meteorologists, a big sense of pride for what we do um, and, and kind of, you know, what we deal with. And because they're every day is, you know, you, you didn't get it right or, you know, you messed mm -hmm. up. Um, so um, just to know that everybody has your back and, and is, uh, is working together. And, you know, even if Sunsets agrees, you still have that trust with them, I think, I think spoke a lot of volume. So it was a really nice time to, to, to be a meteorologist, um, to have that sense of community, because even though we, we are big, we're still kind of small at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, so it, I guess, you know, for me, I just tried to like sit back and, and wait for some of the facts to come out. And I don't know if we, if we have everything yet and we'll just kind of wait and see what happens. Jennifer, are you announcing your candidacy? That was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> that is not my calling. <laughs> was, what, what was the, what, what did it feel like around the office? Like, you know, were, were people, was it tense? Was it stressful? Was it angry? Was it, um, sad was I mean what did it just how did that so, change maybe the office dynamics a little bit for a few days I don't know if locally if it changed the office dynamics a lot there was a lot of um as you said probably sadness and and anger or just consternation over what happened um, I don't think it caused any tension for us um I think that NOAA and weather service leadership were pretty quick to react to it you know even if it was 24 or 48 hours. Some people will say, you know, that that's long enough. But, um, you know, I think on our end, we were just happy to support our brothers and sisters over in Birmingham um, and, and across the country and across the weather service and just kind of wait, wait to see what would happen. Ho really kind of hoping that it would all just be pushed aside or, or fall out and uh, and we can move on beyond this. Um, on the other flip side, though, it, you know, it, it created a, a it brought to light even a, a messaging issue. So how are we gonna work to create that messaging issue to make sure that everyone's got the right information at the right time when they need it? Yeah, because Birmingham even sent out a tweet that said they never even saw the White House yes. thing, that they were just getting calls from their, pe their people in their counties and yes. sent that out. So they weren't, it didn't sound like they were getting in the middle of anything political at all. No, it didn't sound like that was their intention. Mm-hmm. Now, nowadays, it doesn't take much to turn something uh, political, it seems. Well, sadness and anger is everyone's feelings after a botched forecast, too, just to let you know. I was That's like, true. Oh, I, think, I think the best thing I have saw since saw since then was like when you saw the, the snowfall totals that was up in Montana. Yeah. They, they took a Sharpie over that map and sent it out on Twitter and said, Alabama looks like they're going to get their first snow of the season. And that yeah. wasn't a Sharpie. That was just a little... That? Who did that, Dina? Um, I'm trying to think of who did who started it, but it went everywhere. It was okay. It, but it, it was it wasn't a National Weather Service. Oh no, no, oh, no, God. no! Okay. But it was like the uh, you know it was the model QPF. It was the snowfall right. totals of all the snow in Montana. It was a national map, and then you just see a big sharpie going all the way down to Alabama and back. Yeah, that's, that's, that's you got to laugh. Can, you got to laugh. Fun with it. They really yeah, did. you <laughs> saw it, right, Jennifer? Hey. Yeah, I don't think I saw that one, but I saw it with the. Um, the next uh, tropical system that came up, it was, oh, well, yeah. I was supposed to stay off and I saw people drawing. Yeah, I see. I saw that across too. the U.S. <laughs> it makes me laugh. It's funny. It was funny. Yeah. I think on that note, uh, we're going to take a quick break. Go ahead and refill your drink. And we'll be right back. <laughs> Thank you. 
Holicity.co is the leader in weather-themed clothing and accessories for the Stormfront Freak and you. Besides a creative line of weather-themed t-shirts, footwear, bags, and more, they also carry an exclusive line of Stormfront Freaks podcast gear and drinkware. Get a 10% discount on your entire order when you use the code SFF for Stormfront Freaks at checkout. That code again is SFF. Find it all at Holicity.co. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Uh, we got Jennifer Dunn, the WCM at uh, the National Weather Service office in Fort Worth, is with us. Um, and I'm, Jennifer, I'm going to ask you this: so you you've got a little uh, storm chasing background, which yeah. which which a lot of our listeners are going to be excited about. So I, I want to know two things. I want to know a little bit about maybe some of your storm chasing highlights okay. when you did that. But then I want you to follow up with now: how does that work? with working at the National Weather Service, because just about everybody I've spoken to in the National Weather Service is not real fond of storm chasers or storm chasing, or at least that's their persona that they per, they show, right? Is, um, and especially at spotter classes and things of that nature, mm-hmm. it's all, uh, go, don't go chasing storms. So tell us about your storm chasing highlights, and then tell us how does that work right now while you're at the yeah. National Weather Service? Well, first of all, we try not to have, you know, too negative view of storm chasers in our area because they can provide a lot of a lot of good information and sometimes in remote areas. And we will happily take their reports when they're willing to share them with us. But sometimes the problem is, is actually getting them or reminding them or encouraging them to, to call our office and let us know, too, or reach us on amateur radio or social media or any other way. But um, I actually do not storm chase anymore. I haven't storm chased in uh, quite a while, probably since my girls came along. Ever since so, you've been working at the National Weather Service. No. <laughs> so to give you a little bit more on the history, uh, I started storm chasing in college. Uh, Texas A&M had a storm chasing group. And my senior year, I actually led that group. And so um, during that time also, there is an annual conference up here in North Texas called uh, TESA, the Texas Severe Storm Association. And the owner of it actually runs a storm chasing company. And he brought me on board as a driver. So for about five years after I graduated college, I actually worked with them. So I would schedule time off during usually May, sometimes June, and I would spend anywhere from five to seven days out chasing the planes with this tour company uh, as a driver. So I got to go anywhere from Texas to North Dakota to Wyoming. And then, of course, the plains of Colorado are one of my favorite places to chase. So, um, but I have had to take a step back at the request of my family and um, haven't actually been out chasing in a while. So I get I miss it every now and then, but during spring season too, we can be so busy. And I think it's fun to be in the office when there's weather going on and, and uh, you know, warnings going around and, and messaging going out. So I don't always necessarily think back or, you know, wish I was out there instead. I've got enough to do to keep me busy also. Was it, was it your husband saying, I want to go chasing? Come on. <laughs> we has, we, uh, we've tried it once. Um, wasn't a very good pattern. So it was, an, it was kind of a, a bust week for us. So instead we, uh, we were, let's see, it was late in the season. So we were getting up more into the Northern Plains. And um, instead we went over and like spent some time uh, in the Black Hills, uh, Mount Rushmore, Deadwood area over there. So we just made a little vacation out of it instead. Mm-hmm. But he and I have been out once. Uh, going out locally when there's storms around, one of us is usually at work since we're both meteorologists. Um, someone's got to take care of the kids normally, so we don't get a whole lot of chances to do local chases. So we don't in- have family here, so we don't have that extra help ready to go at all times. Are you in charge? Are you like the, the coordinator of when the two of you go chasing? 
<laughs> um, yeah, probably because he typically likes to drive. So that means I'll take over all the other duties. So the navigation, the radar, things like that. That's good though. Tell I don't want to drive. Do. I don't want to drive at all. Yeah. <laughs> Now I want to be taking the pictures. Yeah, I want to be taking the pictures. Yeah. So, so how do you go about, Jennifer, what, what, when you guys are taking phone calls and stuff like that from chasers and spotters, mm-hmm. um, tell me, especially when there's um, when there's quite an outbreak going on, how are you differentiating between maybe what's a legitimate, uh, I, I guess, report, what might not be legitimate, and especially with chasers, you don't know who's local and uh, uh, things of that nature, I guess. How do you differentiate between those two? So that's a good question. Um, I think we tend to put, you know, a little bit more weight on reports from chasers and from our local storm spotters also. A lot of times that falls under um, amateur radio operators too. Um, fire personnel and, and police personnel um, can fall under that umbrella also. But um, when it comes, if we ever, if there's something that we ever aren't sure of it. If it's not making sense, we're going to try and find another source to verify that. So if the chaser does send us um, a report and it's either not matching up or, or we're not sure about it, we usually try and do some follow-up. Um, we will pull up some storm chaser feeds. So we might try to find another storm chaser that's out there that we can talk to or view video from, or we'll start to call around some of the local officials and try and see if we can get stories to match up. Sometimes it has to be something that we put to the side because we don't have time to follow up with it. So we've got to remember to come back and do it. But uh, we do tend to give a little bit more um, weight to those chasers and especially to our local storm spotters on the reports that they do send us. It's a good thing you have the staff to do that. I mean, if somebody was calling me and I'm trying to track storms on radars, I'm like, I can't I can't talk to you right now. So we completely divide up all of our duties and our radar operators are pretty much doing nothing but working the radar. They are almost are not allowed to touch those phones because we don't want them to get distracted or to get pulled away. Mm-hmm. The only time that they may turn away from that radar is when they're actually talking about a warning decision with their backup. Um, so we get a whiteboard and we have uh, magnet icons for all of the duties that have to be tasked. And we line them up and we put names by them and we group them. So everything is covered. Uh, somewhat individually, sometimes paired, but that, those radar operators really are assigned nothing else beside um, beside looking at the radar and analyzing and making those decisions. And then it's the rest of the team and their duties to relay that information to them while the radar operator is relaying their warning decisions to us so we can push that information out through any type of method. Is, so is does the Aries, radar, oh, is, sorry, does the radar operator make the warning or do they tell a different person? And no, so the radar operator is responsible for, for actually analyzing the radar, making the decision and issuing the warning. It can all be done from the same workstation. Wow. So, and then usually we have a, a backup or a secondary radar operator. And that person might just be kind of a second eyes on radar or, um, or somewhat of a helper. You know, if there's two storms that need warnings, you can only handle one at a time. So the radar operator will tell the second radar operator, can you issue the warning for this storm? Or can you take a look at this storm while I'm looking at this storm? Or if the event grows um, on a spatial scale a lot um, to a, outside of an area that they can cover, we'll start sectorizing. We'll cut things in half and, and start dividing the area. And each radar operator then will be making their own decisions. So and if you have a really place. long squall line, you guys can kind of split it up. Yep, I twenty sometimes is a good is a good divider. <laughs> but um, but yeah, we'll we'll split it up. Um, for example, on um, the December twenty sixth, two thousand and fifteen tornado, the day after Christmas tornadoes that we had, 
Um, we initially started watching a uh, storms along a cold front that was coming into our northwest. And then the storms that were rotating and that went on to produce the tornadoes were actually down in kind of the central and southeast portions. So we had one radar operator watching the storms developing up here mm. and then the other one watching the storms down here. We had to sectorize that way. Um, and they became the ones in the north um, actually ended up not doing much. So we actually had to focus our operations down into the southeast then, and we actually split that because there were so many going up that were rotating. It was too much for one person. Yeah. So yeah. squall line radar, radar guy is typing in the warnings <laughs> while individual cell radar guy is just watching. That's it, right? <laughs> so, we call like Bob or something to make it easier. <laughs> so squall lines, um, depending on the, let's say, Squall lines sometimes it'll be, um, at least sometimes in our area, it seems like just a portion of the line is really severe. So it might be a case where um, the main radar operator is really focusing on that. And the second radar operator might be assigned the rest of the line, but because they don't have um, necessarily too many warnings to handle, maybe not any at all, they will um, help that first person just keep an eye on things. They don't necessarily have to issue the warning for the primary radar operator, but they might say, hey, did you see the storm in, in Wise County, for example, or have you looked at that in a while? So uh, just to make sure that we're covering all, all of the areas. But you're right, a big squall line coming through, we might just split the area in half and and each one is probably talking to each other, but they're issuing their own warnings. We try and encourage just a lot of team communication. And it doesn't have to be just the radar operators. We've got a warning coordinator usually, and um, probably somebody else who, um, maybe somebody who's watching um, hydro or flooding. And they don't have a lot to do at that time, so they can help keep an eye on the storms for the other radar operators too. Kim, okay. that is so nice, isn't it? We used to wear like five hats. Okay, I now I'm going to type in. Now I'm <laughs> yeah. going to, you master control, get over here, you know, you Oh, it's amazing crazy. how it's yeah. changed. It's taken us, you know, quite a few years to get to that, but um, we're, you know, we're thankful to have the staff that we do um, and, and to be able to, to re redo our operations to, to operate that way. It just works more efficient and, and better for us at our office. Yeah, that's awesome. Good. Have you ever thought of going, like, being a TV meteor meteorologist? I have. Um, I, uh, I did that internship in... Um, in broadcast meteorology, and, and it was good experience. Um, I'm not sure that, um, well, during that time, I guess I realized that um, I liked the weather service a lot more. I liked being in the science and, and being there helping to make warning decisions. So that kind of uh, led me over onto the National Weather Service side. But while I had my broadcast, um, I was very thankful to see that side of it. And also um, I used that time, uh, I actually made demo tapes. I don't think I have them anymore, but mm -hmm. I made demo tapes and, and I was ready to go down that path too. Um, so, yeah, I, I considered it for a while, but uh, the, the National Weather Service and all that they do just kind of pulled me in at the time. Yeah. yeah. I, I was going to ask you, Jennifer, is Aries uh, big in North Texas there as far as it radio? Is. And, yeah. So we have Aries and Racies. Um, some counties will have two groups, but um, some of our bigger um, Aries groups are going to be in the immediate Metroplex area. So um, Tarrant, Dallas. Um, Tarrant is where Fort Worth is. Dallas is where Dallas is. Uh, Plano McKinney is in Collin County and then Denton in Denton County. They usually have some of our larger groups of um, Aries and Racies. What about Sagittarius? <laughs> uh, there's a lot of Sagittarius. I mean, more than, more than Aries and Racies. So for those who don't know, tell, tell what Aries is. 
So uh, even I sometimes am <laughs> keeping up the difference between Aries and Racies, but they're essentially um, groups of amateur radio that um, each one um, kind of operates by some different rules. Um, some are tied more to emergency management than others, but it's a way for um, amateur radio and they go through the storm spotting class to uh, kind of be involved in organized skywarn or storm spotting group operations, along with many other things in the area. Cool. Very cool. Oh, I hear the thunder. Yep. Uh, that's that is, tropic yeah, that's of the sound. thunder. Yeah, it is. It is time for our lightning round. So Jennifer, this is our uh, game show of flashy questions that we always play with our guests. And you, you are a uh, mother of two, correct? I am yes. Son, sons or daughter, or both, or what do you have? Both girls. Both girls. Both okay. Girls. So, so this might be good. So, so tonight, what I'm going to play with you. Uh, we're going to call this Disney Speed Round. Okay. <laughs> so so this is as Disney. As long as it's only the Disney princesses. <laughs> well, I can't promise okay. that. <laughs> uh, but I can promise you that all these questions are going to have something to do uh, with Disney. And and we're, we're going to just rip through them. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you the question. And I'm basically just going to give you a few seconds to come up with an answer. If you can't, <laughs> we're just going to keep moving on to the next one. Okay. Okay. And and we're going to uh, we're going we're going to go ahead and kind of rip through these uh, quickly. So, uh, are you ready? No, but let's go. Okay, here we go. He's honest. Uh, first question in the Jungle Book: Who teaches Mog Mowgli Mowgli about the bare necessities of life? Haven't seen that one in a while. I can't think of it. <laughs> All right, uh, Cru Cruella <laughs> Deville is the villain in which Disney movie? I'm sorry, what was, who was the name? Cruella Deville is the villain in which Disney movie? 101 Dalmatians. Yay! Yeah, what yeah, is yeah. the name of the boy who owns Buzz Lightyear in the movie Toy Story? Andy. <laughs> Dina. Here we go. Which I didn't Disney say anything. Has a <laughs> hey, be quiet. This is speed round. <laughs> Uh, which Disney princess has a raccoon as a sidekick? Pocahontas. In the movie Frozen, which song does Elsa sing as she builds the castle? Uh, Let it go. In the movie Finding Nemo, which country has Nemo been taken to? Australia. What is the name of Bambi's rabbit friend? Thumper. What does the crocodile swallow in Peter Pan? His hand... <laughs> the character Bert was played by which actor in Mary Poppins? I can't remember. Uh, in Peter Pan, did Captain Hook have a hook for his left hand or right hand? His right hand. 50. 50. <laughs> in the movie Dumbo, what type of animals were Dandy, Fat Glasses, Preacher, and Straw Hat? What kind of animals were Dandy, Fat Glasses, Preacher, and Stalin? I don't know. We haven't done a lot of the classic ones, but I haven't even seen <laughs> which She's Stalin. Features the song Two Worlds. Oh, um, Aladdin. No. What, what is the name of Donald Duck's sister? Daisy. What? <laughs> really? I thought it was I think two. he's just buzzing. I know. I think he is, too. I think not he's his lying. Sister. That, that's his girlfriend. Oh. You guys are uh, sick. Yes. All right. What does Cinderella's fairy godmother turn into a carriage? Pumpkin. Randall Boggs is a villain in which Disney movie? No clue. 
<laughs> Which was the first Disney movie to receive an Oscar nomination for Best Picture? Oh. I can't, uh, I've heard it. I can't, yeah. What type of animal does Jasmine have for a pet in Aladdin? A tiger? <laughs> She's shell-shocked. Uh, in the Disney movie Robin Hood, what type of animal was Robin? Robin Hood. And last, what is the name of the Lion King? Simba. Yay! It was good. Yay! Well it sounded worse than it was. Well done. I think it oh, thank so, you. All right, so let's go back through these. You did here. better than me. Uh, bear necessities of life. Anybody? What was the question? It's uh, the it's book. the bear. Yeah. Name. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, uh, Darn it. Oh yeah. That's blue. blue. All right. Oh. Uh, what? Uh, you got that one? Pocahontas. You got Australia. Thumper. Uh, what is what is the crocodile swallow in Peter Pan? Alarm clock. Isn't it Captain? It's the hook. Clock. Oh, okay. Uh, well, Bert, who was played by who in Mary Poppins? Bert. Oh, come on. I have no oh, idea. Dick Van Dyke. On. Dick Van Dyke. Oh, I because I'm the uh, oldest one and, here. And hook. It was <laughs> no, hook's you're left not. hand, by the way. <laughs> That's true. Jennifer. Yeah. So 50-50. You got that wrong. Okay. Uh, movie Dumbo. What animal was uh, Dandy Fat Glasses Preacher in Straw Is it Hat? Pigs. No. No. They were the crows. Oh, uh, which Disney movie features the song Two Worlds" by Phil Collins? Uh, be Tarzan. Is that the light? Oh. Now this one I did not know. Donald Duck's sister is yeah. Dumbella. It's what? Dumbella. Dumbella. I've never heard Who of knew? Dumbella. Who knew? But it was not Daisy. Daisy was his girlfriend. You guys. Who named her? True, but. All right, Randall Boggs, villain. What Disney movie? Uh. 101 Dalmatians? Oh, Monsters. Monsters, Monsters Inc. Oh, actually, I'm kind of like, what? to receive an Oscar oh, nomination. Beauty and the Beast. Snow White. Beauty and the Beast. Uh, Beauty and the Beast. Uh, my favorite. Uh, you got the tiger, and then the last one was Robin Hood. What kind of animal is Robin? Fox. Fox? Oh, yeah. I could picture uh, him. I just couldn't think of the animal. <laughs> Very good. Oh, well, well done, so Jennifer. Stressful. You were good. You were awesome on that. Hey, do us a favor. Tell us how our listeners can uh, follow you on social media. Yeah. Um, I pretty much only keep my Twitter one public. So I am at Jen with one N, Jen L. Dunn. So that's the best way to reach me. Sorry, I keep my Facebook and my Instagram private uh, for like family and friends. But Twitter is a great way. Okay. okay. All right. So that, that's, how you get a hold, that's how you get a hold of Jen. And you can ask her your Disney questions too. Yes. Feel free to do that. Hey, I want to let everybody know uh, our fourth annual holiday weather gift show is right around the corner. Uh, If you'd like Mm. for us to review and highlight your weather-themed products for our Stormfront Freaks, go ahead and contact me right away. You can reach me at phil at stormfrontfreaks.com. Again, that's phil at stormfrontfreaks.com. We're going to go ahead and take our final break, and uh, we're going to be right back with uh, our hashtag weatherfools and WX resources. Hi, this is Rick Smith, Warning Coordination Meteorologist at the National Weather Service Office in Norman, and you're listening to the Stormfront Freaks Podcast. Let's take a drive under the moon. Let's take a drive under the somber sky. 
Let's take a drive. Welcome back. Time now for hashtag weather fools. It's really a lot of fun because there's some crazy people out there doing some just stupid stuff in weather they shouldn't be. So to kick us off for this evening, ladies first, Dina, then Kim. We'll start with Dina. All right. Now, this one is funny. In fact, I had this from the other day and I saved it just for the show because it's called Massive Puddle Surprises for Pedestrians. So if you can hopefully see what I'm, I'm playing here, these people are just casually walking through a parking lot. It's raining. They have um, their umbrellas. And then boom. <gasps> oh, oh, it's like Groundhog Day. What the Watch like, that step. It's the it, doozy. Like they must have fallen into like a manhole. It is oh, so yeah. And I, you know, nobody looks like they got hurt, so you can laugh. But I mean, it is like they're just casually walking and then boom, like, I mean, they're almost to over their head. It's so insane how deep this thing is. And obviously somebody st stood there and, and filmed it and filmed it and didn't tell anybody. But oh, it was, gosh. oh my God, wow. it was, it's so funny, you guys, you got to watch it. I've kept mm -hmm. it for over a week just to show you. Do we need a pedestrian turnaround, don't drown for them too? <laughs> I <or>? guess. <laughs> and the funny thing is they didn't know. They were just kind of like, doo -doo 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 -doo, boom. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a, I look forward to seeing that one all That was a good up. one. That, I watched it many times. Thank you, Dina. All right, Kim, can you Hi. beat that? I think I can. It's Ooh. weird. We both have disappearing people, but. Okay, so let's take, this is winter weather though. Um, from a couple of days ago, and we've talked about this before, guys, about people jumping into piles of snow. And it makes me cringe because I think I told you the story of what happened to somebody in Germany when I was stationed over there. They jumped into a pile of snow and got impaled. <gasps> but when I see these things, it just freaks me out. And this, I guess it's, I can't tell if it's a young lady or a young man, decides they're going to jump. This is in Montana off of like a big snow pile down into a little one that's farther away from them. So we'll put it in motion. You'll see stand up. I think it's a girl and she just kind of jumps right into this and just totally disappears <laughs> into the snow. I mean, she's gone. And so you have no idea if she's okay or what has happened under there. But um, this was from ABC news, by the way. So this was just to me was, insane because oh you can God. see what she's standing on there's like twigs and branches yeah standing up and so you don't know what's under there i, I just don't oh, understand cool. how people can just jump into these things and not I know if anyway. abc aired it they she was probably okay yeah probably yeah <laughs> she's like an olympic jumper though did you see that whole I setup did. i mean she had very the, impressed she definitely you know had that form and everything going into it so <laughs> a triple backflip exactly just be careful just i know it's not it's seems like it'd be so much fun but i just worry so much but anyway right. thank okay. you kim that was you're good welcome. you're right cool. all right so phil you've got how many i've got six so i'm gonna rattle these off and these are all for mostly all for uh jen tonight jennifer who's with us all right first one this comes from twitter at poolman 20 this is of a tornado in davis california and look at look at the girl sitting on a cooler holding her ten by ten tent. Oh my gosh! Obviously, people in California aren't used to this. Oh my uh, goodness! Because they're just filming it, watching it, and they're holding on to their tent. Oh, and, they're and holding on to a sail. Shelter in a U-Haul. Wow, <laughs> that's funny. All right, so, so that's that. All right, now I'm going to jump to James Spann on Twitter. 
Uh, this That's was, not him, is it? Uh, this is not him. <laughs> I hope not. Uh, this is a photo of a car. This is in Mobile, Alabama during some flooding. Uh, and there's a car that stalled with its headlights on, smacked down. Oh, yeah, somewhere. I do remember seeing this one when he sent it out. Uh, and then along with that, also from the Mobile Flood, uh, this is from uh, at Tyler Smith underscore WX. And this is good old turnaround, don't drive, except this guy in a pickup truck. Oh, boy. He is uh, driving right through the flooded waters. <laughs> hey, that's a no-wake zone. You'd, you'd, you'd yeah. when you get awake on another car. Yeah, that, uh, that was beautiful. All right, so the next one I've got. Oh, let's see. That's Melissa. That's i got to figure out which one this is. Uh, this is Houston, Texas. At Marco underscore C11. He is in a Hummer. I can tell what? by the windows and the grill. The water oh, yeah. is past his hood, and it's up to his windshield. This is a driver's perspective. And he's still going. And he's still going. Water. How could he not going? Wow. He's in a Hummer. So likely his exhaust is uh, being expended yeah. uh, above his hood. Oh, my gosh. So he's in a position wow. to be able to do that. But, folks, it's still flooded water, right? It's still yeah. potentially... It's- Moving. It looks like he's wow. going to go underwater in a submarine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it really does. Like, if you look at the beginning, it literally goes past his, his windshield there. So that, that was in Houston. I've got another one in Houston. Man, that's this deep. This is uh, Melissa Coria at K-H-O-U Melissa. Wow. Uh, and she said, oh, my God, the truck driver intentionally drove into the high water at 59 North and the Beltway. He got stuck. So here's a big semi truck driving and he gets or she gets so far into the water that it literally stalls, stops and starts floating. Wow. Oh a gosh. semi. A semi truck. Wow. Oh my. You would think turn around, don't drive would Is apply. he stuck under the It looks he, like yeah, he got and stuck. It, and then it looks like he might have gotten stuck floating. Like he's being under pushed up pass. along the bridge. Yeah. Yeah. Thank He's goodness gonna... he's hauling life vests, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, so that's crazy. And then uh, the last one is also, um, actually, no, that's, I'm going to save. I'm, no, I'll do this one now. So this is from one of our uh, listeners. Is that a subway or a verify bus? who this is here. Hold on. Okay. Uh, this was Luna Light. So this was Luna Way to Light go, Luna. with us. And this is a bus, a public bus. I'm no. not sure where this is. It's from Facebook. Uh, Caleb... How do you pronounce that last name? Give me a vowel, please, Pat. Dimitri it's too small. Man. I can't see it. I can't read it either. I don't anyway, say it fast. So if you watch the video, it's a public bus, and the water is oh, in no. the bus. They're, they're going through oh flooded waters. What the, the heck? Wow. The People are lifting their feet. No. To get past this. That's like a foot deep on the bus. Yeah. I wow. Mean, it's, it's up to their knees. They got to lift their legs up, because the and the bus is still driving through this. Now watch, because what will happen is the floodwaters will finally recede. They, they must get, the bus must get to a point to where it's high enough. The, the waters in the bus finally go out the front of the wow. Oh, yeah, the look at that. She opened the but door. just when you think. No. rushing back into the bus. That is amazing. That is not a bus ride that I want no. to do. No. Wow. By any stretch of the imagination, I do not. That's not. And as people were just sitting there calmly in their seats. <laughs> yeah, these, these were really good, you guys. Yeah, excellent yeah, so, job, really tonight. Jennifer. That was all for you. That that was my turnaround. <laughs> Thank don't, you. Uh, turn around, don't. Drown How many were Houston? Segment. Yes. 
Uh, three of them. Are. At least two three of them. Houston. Yeah, two. Maybe two three Houston. Yeah. What's that saying, Jennifer? What's that? Three of them are Houston. <laughs> it doesn't say anything. What it says is that it floods a lot there. Oh, yeah. thank you, Congresswoman. All right. Let's see. Okay. So, hey, in case you missed any of those, you can go to stormfrontfreaks.com, go to the show notes section, and you can check out our Weather Fools. And they are awesome. They're very, very good. So I'm gonna, when we get all these edited, I'm going to look at them so I can see them all bigger myself. So, yeah. all right, Phil. All oh, right, episode Dina. 89. Forgot. It's, yeah. We're we're gonna we're gonna flip it to you because uh, it's time for our WX resources. All right. So the WX resources, <laughs> the part of the show where you get to share the cool weather websites, apps, anything that's cool and weather that you want to share. So Jen, I heard you have a WX resource. I do. I have uh, I have two that hopefully you already know about, but just in case you don't, um, they are both associated with the National Weather Service. And for one, if you haven't heard of the National Weather Service's jet stream, just like the jet stream up on the up in the upper parts of the atmosphere yeah. or middle to upper parts, um, it's actually our online weather school. And it went through a revamp over the last couple of months. So I think it's really well organized with a lot of good and new information and, and printouts and, and lessons on there. If you're interested in kind of learning a little bit more or just need to to reference something, um, you can, I think it's just weather.gov slash Jetstream, or if you Google Jetstream National Weather Service, you should be able to find the link there. Oh, cool. And then the second one that I can think of is, um, they used to be called the Warning Decision Training Branch. Now it's the Warning Decision Training Division, but um, they have a whole host of online um, radar webinars that can help um, give you, and, and majority of them are open to the public, but if you're interested in learning a little bit more about radar um, analysis and you know how to use it, how to interpret it. Also, it goes into convective storm modes and um, a little bit of mesoanalysis and, and environmental characteristics for that. If you go to the Warning Decision Training Division, you can find those webinars um, that are um, on the website and hopefully be able to kind of go through those. It's the same training that weather service forecasters go through for the most Part. We also do finish up with a one-week in-resident course that we're required to do that kind of draws it all together. But at least some of the webinars and some of the analysis that um, and training that we're doing also is available out there for the public um, also in some cases. That's cool. So those so are the two right. that I have. Yeah. If you want some cool, cool. Uh, correlation coefficient. Yes, you can learn all about new tool products. And yeah. you might have to go through it four times, but that's okay. okay. <laughs> Thanks, so Jen. cool. Yeah. That we had paper. Like try and do 3D with a piece of paper. Like, yes. <laughs> yes. Back in my day. I know. Oh my god. Right. I remember. We're so thankful now. <laughs> so Phil, you have a weather re WX resource, right? I do have one, and and I'm cheating because I'm taking this one from uh, one of our listeners uh, who shared this with us, and and this was actually Parker Owens shared this with us, uh, who's who's followed us quite a bit. But this is called WeatherStar 4000. Yeah. Uh, WeatherStar 4000 Plus, I guess. I should probably give it its due. <laughs> but basically what this is, is uh, you go to this website. We'll, we'll have this in the show notes. But you can type in uh, what city you're at uh, and, and what, so what kind of weather you want to view. You can also set up a, a little scrolling text to the bottom. But it, what it is is it shows you the classic weather channel uh, weather at the eights. Oh, yeah. so it goes through the travel old school. forecast. Yep, this wow. is total old school. Kind of cool. I put in Cincinnati. 
Yeah. Uh, so it'll show you forecast for Thursday night, and it's got the same kind of image. And then across the bottom, I've typed in uh, Stormfront Freaks podcast and <laughs> how you find us and listen to us. Very cool. Um, That's so I cool. Don't, I don't know exactly where we could use this. Uh, certainly, we could probably use it pre-show and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I just thought it was kind of neat. You can type in your own stuff, and you could say happy birthday to somebody oh. at the bottom or you could say whatever you want. So yeah, that's cool. That is cool. Where do you find it? It's uh, not going to Alabama. I'm I'm not gonna say. Yeah, <laughs> but I I can't. I don't even know. It doesn't make sense what the web address is. It'll be in the show notes. I'll just okay. okay. Gotcha. Oh, that's Thanks. a crazy web. Or, yeah. Ugh. Yeah. So so kind of that's cool. cool. Anyway. All right, Kim, you have one, right? I do. Can you see it? It's pulling it up. Uh, it's coming. Yay. Yay! Oh my goodness! All right. All right. So, you know, Phil, you got me thinking about, you know, the holidays coming up and a graduation too. You know, a lot of people graduate in December. And I thought, you know, I had a, such a great graduation present from my mom. It was the glossary of meteorology many years back when I graduated. And I thought, you know, hey, the AMS, they've got a bookstore. Why don't I share this with everybody? Um, it's bookstore.ametsoc.org. And if you're looking for a nice graduation gift or even a gift for, you know, people who love weather, some of these books on this website is just fantastic. Hmm. And so they have books here um, like Cloud Spotting for Beginners. That is a great book. And they also have T-shirts, um, different types of tumblers and um, different um, just different kinds of gifts, even scarves, you know, the scarf that has mm -hmm. all the different weather symbols on it. You can get that oh, here as well, cute. which is fantastic. And I scrolled down, I found a book that I think I'm going to have to get this book. Let's see if I can find it. It's the one about jokes, about weather jokes. And oh, it's here. It is partly to mostly funny. <laughs> oh, clever. And it's, it's a, it's a compilation of all these jokes that meteorologists have sent into this guy, Joe Melee. <laughs> And he just compiled all these jokes. And then it's also, um, I guess there's cartoons added to it by retired U.S. Navy Captain Jeff Bacon, who served as a career meteorologist, oceanographer. So I thought this would be a great book. And we should get this just for, maybe we should tell a joke every time we do a, <laughs> do a, a podcast. Mm. But there's all kinds of good stuff on here, you guys. So books, um, different, you know, shirts, T-shirts and things like that. A lot of good we, gift ideas. Kim, we have Maz. We don't need a book for that. Oh, that's true. <laughs> and... Everybody yes. loves bacon. Right? That's right. <laughs> that's right. Anyway, I might get this book. This looks like a good one. Anyway, right. that's it. Thanks, Kim. Sure. All right. I do have one. And I thought it was funny. I just started looking at it. It's called weathernerds.org. And <laughs> when first somebody started mentioning this around work, I'm like, weather nerds. Oh, my Ooh. God. Come on. But it's weathernerds.org. And you bring it up you've got numerical models you've got like cool. spaghetti plots satellites radar and and i've only looked at it for a certain like maybe about a week or two and i like the um i think the models are just about as basic as everybody else's but i did like the satellite uh if you click on the satellite you can go to different regions and i was kind of really happy with that um but it's it's another one that you can add to your um to your bookmarks if you're going to do mm -hmm. some forecasting or look at it. But I did like it. I, I like the color tables and it looked pretty good. So I think that one might be a, a fun one just for the fact that it's called weathernerds.org. I thought it was cute. So is it WX or W E A T H E R? No, it's that you like actually spelled out like W E A T H E R N E R D S.org. And more importantly, is it free? 
Yes, it is. Oh. Like, I haven't seen anything I've had to pay for yet. It's not like, oh, look at this. Oh, wait, first 1999. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, but I do awesome. like, like, like I said, <clears throat> the, the models look about like everybody else. Um, yeah. But I did like the satellite. So, okay. all right. So for everybody, uh, if you want to look at some of these WX resources, check out the show notes on episode 89. Cool. Very good. All right. So let's uh, let's go ahead and see what we've got in our mailbox. Send me a postcard. <laughs> drop me a line. You've got mail, baby. Yeah. All right. So let's see what we got coming in here. We've got uh, first off one of our listeners, Nicholas Isabella. Uh, had a comment on Twitter, says, uh, watching fellow New Yorker A.J. Blum, Andrew Blum was on the show. Oh, yeah. Uh, he said on Stormfront Freaks podcast, not sure how we haven't crossed paths, but definitely going to pick up his book. Oh. Uh, so he was on Very our last cool. show. Nice. Uh, Nicholas also said, glad to see Weather Trollbot 5000 on Stormfront Freaks. <laughs> yeah. uh, glad to see her address many of the losers who think they can talk <laughs> down to meteorologists on social media this week. Uh, so it was a rough week. Recognizing, <laughs> oh, and and we've got uh, we got more comments on weather trollbot. Uh, this was from yep meteorologist Mike <laughs> Augustaniak. He was actually one of the uh, meteorologists uh, up in Twin Cities that was interpreted by weather trollbot five thousand. <laughs> oh, uh, he, he said on Twitter. He said, "Laugh, uh, lol." Oh man, this is a great idea. Well played, <laughs> well executed. Honored to be included. Oh, nice. so well. take that mask. Uh, and then Josh <laughs> Josh Morgerman uh, was also uh, a a, uh, a weather trollbot five thousand. I don't know what do you call him. Not a victim. He was sort of. <laughs> yeah, sort of. Target. Uh, Josh Morgerman uh, Twitter. He's at icyclone. Uh, he said, "Wow, it freaks me out how accurate weather trollbot five thousand <laughs> is. Uh, it basically great. read my yeah. mind. I feel dot 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 exposed." <laughs> well it goes then, from pg-13 to tv mma yeah oh, wait that's mixed martial arts never mind I don't yeah, know. over at that point all right then we got uh the last one was from uh twitter at turbulent skies said i uh, really enjoyed listening to aj blum today going to have to see if i can find the book okay. uh, so thank thank you all of you for that was uh, nice making note remember yeah. uh if you if you do want to uh, send us a question or a comment, you can uh, send us an email. You can send it to uh, uh, questions at stormfrontfreaks.com, uh, or you can uh, just jump on social media. Uh, we're on Twitter, at stormfrontfreak, uh, and just uh, go ahead and tag us on your question or comment there, and we'll try and read it on the next show. So I think... Unless anybody else has anything to say, I think that just about does it uh, for the episode. Uh, if uh, Thanks for listening and watching, but if, if you'd like to subscribe to the show, so before I get into our next guest, um, all i got to do is go to your podcast app, hit the little subscribe or follow button, and uh, all that does is it assures that the, the minute we upload another episode, uh, it's going to show up right in your little podcast inbox uh, so that you can listen to it uh, right away. Uh, it's free. It doesn't, uh, we don't have a charge to do that. And uh, also, if, uh, if you enjoyed watching us, give us a great review on your podcast app as well, uh, especially on Apple Podcasts. If you give us a great written review, we'll make sure we include your name uh, as well. I do want to say a, a special thanks and shout out to our guest uh, tonight, Jennifer Dunn. Yay! Yeah. Thanks, Yay. Jennifer. All right, Jennifer. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you,
Thank you guys. Thank you. so much fun. I appreciate well, sure you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you were outstanding and, and uh, oh, did a great job. So our next episode now is going to be again in two weeks. We're going to be recording on October 17th with Storm and Hurricane Chaser and Michael Cook. Uh, if you'd like to watch the recording live, it's going to be 9 o'clock Eastern, 8 o'clock Central. You can check out our YouTube channel by searching Stormfront Freaks. So for Maz and Dina and Kim and Jennifer, I'm going to go ahead and signal the all clear, and we'll catch you guys next time. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Thank you for listening to the Stormfront Freaks podcast. Find our bi-weekly show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or your favorite podcast app. And watch our live and recorded shows on YouTube. For show notes, additional information about this episode, as well as past and upcoming shows, videos, photos, merchandise, and more, visit our website at stormfrontfreaks.com. While you are there, check out our live interactive storm chaser radar provided by our friends at zoomradar.com. If you would like to contact us with questions or make comments about the show, shoot us an email to questions at stormfrontfreaks.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook. Search Stormfront Freaks. We'd love to hear from you. Join us next time and tell a friend about the Stormfront Freaks podcast.